this week on Deep Night. Suddenly there was a knock at the door, and I was like, oh, just a sec. And the uh, door just opens. Spartacus is standing there in the door. <laughs> I'm in my underwear. And I was like, I was like, just a second, sir. I'm sorry, let me put some clothes on you. He said, I don't care. Walked over and embraced me in my underwear. Wow. Yeah. Oh, friends, hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm your host, your astral sidekick, and your crystal companion, as we widen our portals to enter the deep night once again. Yes, the hour of regrets and revelations is upon us, and we must fortify our flesh vessels for this evening's slippery sojourn. We come to you tonight as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And despite what the new EPA is trying to cover up, the Gowanus remains just as filthy as it ever was. Hashtag resist. Hashtag facts. Well, tonight on the show, oh, it's impossible to focus on things, isn't it? There's so much turmoil going on in the world, in our country. Every day is a PBS special on the 60s now, isn't it? We've all just been seeing things and then not believing it can get worse, and then it does, and then you pull the blankets higher. Here on the home front, well, we've been doing what we can. Galinda and I have both had a touch of the cold, so it hasn't been easy. We've been steeping long branches of tea leaves and pushing water through clay pots lined with herbal jellies to help get our breathing going once again. Galinda has taken quite a few trips out to the ceremonial Lenape Cedar steam rooms in the Adirondacks. Once again, the time alone has been beneficial for me, as I've been busy making small pink cat hats for my succulents. I've got a real feminist victory garden going, and those little prickly pussies retain plenty of water. I've been out marching every day, of course. Sometimes I meet up with protests. Other times I'm just marching. It's so wonderful for the knees. I also love shouting. So I'll find a place to stop, either in front of Duane Reed or in front of that statue of Fiorella LaGuardia, the one by the NYU mailroom, and I'll just shout stuff about... Uh, Jeff Sessions and pyramid schemes and kleptocracies at it. If you've ever seen the sculpture, you know it's the loudest sculpture in New York. So it feels less like you're shouting alone in a park and more like having a loud conversation with a relative or a taxi driver who is also a relative. We have to do what we can to get our feelings out. We do a lot of scream therapy at home. I'll scream something at Galinda like, Why don't you put your shoes away? And she'll scream back, I hear that you are frustrated by my choice to delay organization. And then we have some Asahi Berry Cobbler from the Vegan Bakery and settle into reruns of Homeland or nomination hearings on C-SPAN and just relax. <laughs> I mean, are we the model couple for America? Maybe. Maybe. I certainly could not be any happier. Tonight on the program, we welcome an actor of the stage and screen, Greg Hildreth. Greg is such a good guy and a great spirit. You're going to be hearing a lot about him soon. He's been on stage in New York in a terrific uh, number of productions and musicals, including Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, Peter and the Starcatcher, Robert Bridegroom, and Cinderella. He's also a frequent guest on the cabaret circuit with appearances at 54 Below and other hot spots. You know the ones. He's got a beautiful voice, and he's one of these guys who's just a perfect comedic actor. You know, if you, you don't go the stand-up route, you might go the theater route, and that's what he's done. We talk about training, the influence of Walt Disney, what it's like to be on a Broadway show that closes suddenly, and how one prepares for the job of doing eight 
shows a week. This is another insightful conversation with someone doing the work. And you know that's my favorite kind of conversation. And it's the kind of discussion that I seek out whenever I travel to the deep night. So let's go ever deeper and hear my conversation with actor Greg Hildreth. There's always one in every family And nobody loves him one bit There's always one in every family And confidentially, I'm it Greg Hildreth, ah, hello Hello I'm so fond of you, even just from being in the same room with you. That's very kind. That's called charisma, Greg. I don't know about Yes, it is, and you've got it in spades. Thank you. Little tiny shovels full of talent (laughs) and charisma. It's so great. Thank you. Uh, We've never really had the chance to get to know one another. Yes, we've been orbiting. Orbiting is the word, isn't it? Yeah. Circling around each other, two great celestial bodies. Yes. And um, so I'm grateful to you for coming into the Deep Night Studios and having a chat. Uh, Are you a night owl, Greg? It depends. Yeah, yeah. Um, lately, Lately, I've been not so much a night owl. In these winter months where yes. it gets dark at 5 o'clock, I'm asleep by like 8.30. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm but dark. usually uh, a theater person, lots of late nights at diners with drag queens and pancakes, I imagine? Yes, it's different It's different when I'm working, for sure. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, how much of your uh, wardrobe at home is just lifted from the costume rack in the theater? I would say about 75%. It's quite a perk, isn't it? It is, it is. You know, actually, I still own this cardigan. <laughs> I still own this cardigan that I stole from the Williamstown Theater Festival many, many years ago that says Miss Nielsen on the inside. It's a sweater that Christine Nielsen wore. Oh, that's um, nice. A production of Romeo and Juliet that I fancied. That is one of the things about being in the theater, isn't it? Connecting to all the other great talents. They just reuse the clothes and things, don't they? They do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And they don't miss them when they're gone. They don't miss them, no. No, that's wonderful to be connected to a legacy (laughs) like that. I wish someone would leave some clothes around my house. (laughs) Well, if their name's in them. Yeah, I'll bring bring some I'm constantly getting rid of stuff. Well, I miss the theater. I do. I used to perform quite a bit, but you're really in it, aren't you, Greg? Yeah. A creature of the footlights and the grease paint. Yes, yes. I'm I'm very lucky to be, yes. How long does it take to get the grease paint off? Uh, that Well, usually during an eight-show week, I'll wait till Sunday night to take it off. I leave it on. I really? exist in the world with it on. Oh, wow. Yeah, with the red dots in between, you know, my eyes and... <laughs> You know, it's, I find it's just easier because it does take about four or five hours to get off. What do you use? A cold cream? A cold cream and um, and uh, a chisel. <laughs> That's some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you've been out there protesting. I did. I protested two weeks ago. I couldn't do it this past weekend. I went and protested down at Battery Park. Yeah. Um, which was super inspiring to see a large group of people all shouting the same thing. Yeah, just kind of the new brunch, isn't it? It really is. You know, I came up with this funny joke. I was, um, I went down with a group of friends, and um, 
<clears throat> we started to you, we we laugh at the people around us who are shouting with no vocal support. Oh yes. And so I came up with this idea. For, I think it would be kind of funny with for like a sketch with like like an acting course for for doing protests. Sure. You know, like a voice and speech class where they're like, "You'll never be able to do eight eight protests a week like this." You know, <laughs> we need to, we need to really work on. One needs the support from yeah. the diaphragm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Send it out to the back of the park. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've been active at our meditation center making signs and things, and I've been quite busy down in the wood shop in the basement turning artisanal wood handles for the protest signs. And if you see a nice babinga out there, that's my work. That's your handiwork. Wow. I find that you don't want to get out there with a hand cramp. No. You know what I mean? That's the Just from carrying be... paper? Yeah. Keep a piece of poster board in your hand? Right. Cramp right up on you. Yeah, yeah. You need something with a good grip. Good grip. Yeah. And... You know, I'm making a little bit on the side, too, so it's not bad. But as you said, it's ways to make the protest better. That's right. We can always do better, can't we? That's right. These people show up gung-ho, and then, you know, they blow their voice out, and then suddenly they're like, oh, now we're marching? I didn't know there was going to be marching, and they've, you know. Comfortable shoes, comfortable slacks, a good handle, right. and some support. Yeah. These are the things that theater people can teach. That's all. Yeah. To, uh, we can we can make things better. We can provide yeah. some of our expertise. It's yeah. all about priorities, isn't it? Right. Well, we had our coffee today. You went to a fancier coffee. I went to the um, little shop there. Yep. Uh, here's what I'd like to question you about New York coffee, and then we're going to get into some other things. Don't yeah. worry. But it baffled me a little bit. You have the cup, which is a perfect vessel for coffee. Yes. And then, uh, in this case, they gave me this little bag around the coffee yes. cup. What's happening with this bag? Let this me, is unnecessary. I know. But let me tell you, I, when I first, because I, I am from Boston, and that's just not a thing that I'd ever seen before. I don't think anyone has ever no. seen beverages in bags with, like, a lid that's not sealed fully. <laughs> Correct. You know, like, it seems very dangerous. And I, I really questioned it for a while. And now I'm dubious when I don't get a bag. You know, if I go to a cart and I don't get a bag, I'm like, where's my effing bag? You, you know? flipped. Because yeah. you like carrying the, um, the napkins with it? I do need the napkins. Yep. Yes, I'm a messy, messy drinker. I like when they put the napkin on top of the cup and the coffee bleeds through every one of those napkins. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the left, soggy paper bag with, bottom. Yes. It's a very strange little slice of New York life. It's really but good. how's yours? It's doing all right? Mine is delicious. Yeah, Thank you've you. got coffee with a cause, and that's terrific. Thank you. Well, let's get into it. When was the, when was the time? When did you discover your love of the stage? I imagine growing up there in Boston, congratulations on your Super Bowl win. Uh, uh, gr growing up there, uh, you may have been a little bit of a ham, were you? Totally, totally. I grew up, <laughs> I was super precocious, odd child. I was like the kid, like... I have three sisters, and they um, would constantly catch me, like, out in the backyard, like, singing to birds. Oh. Just, like, f trying to charm birds. And as I remember it, I got really close, you know, with these birds. But then I also, you know, we had, like, a, we had a, a trunk in the basement that was filled with old wigs and dresses from, like, the 70s and that my mom had collected or whatever. And, you know, I would... Always, always putting on a wig and a dress, and my dad infamously always saying, "My only son, <laughs> my only son." <laughs> um, Where do yeah. those trunks come from? You think? With the the actual trunk? Well, there's a lot of uh, basements and attics that have trunks with wigs and clothing. Totally. Was it just a more popular thing to do uh, for the? You know, I don't have a trunk and clothing now, right? But but then everybody did. Yeah. I mean, when a dress up was a thing, I think. Right. For well, maybe Victorian children. Yeah, 
Yeah, I and hope then so. passed on and on and on. I wonder if like the internet ruined that. You know, like we used to go out and ride our bikes and play outside, and we had to be creative. You now know? we dress up with digital alter egos. Isn't that mm. depressing? It is. Yeah. But you were out there with the birds. Did you ever have pets too? We, I had a pet. I had a dog. We had a dog growing up, um, Daisy. She was a Yorkshire Terrier. And then um, we found out that I was allergic. Oh, that's terrible. <clears throat> but we, we kept the dog for a while. Then she, you know, she eventually got very sick and we had to put her, put her down. It's basically the arc of every pet, isn't it? Right? Yeah. I have two cats now. And every time I got my second cat and was like, it really, at the beginning, you're just like, shit. It's this gonna is a end. Yeah. It's like a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but now you out there and singing to birds, that's a bit like a Disney cartoon, isn't it? Totally, yeah. Well, I think you'd be perfect in a Disney musical. Thank you. Have you ever done some of those? I've never done a Disney musical. I did um I did a play that was enhanced by Disney theatricals. I did Peter and the Star Catcher. Oh, so enhanced did, yeah. by Disney theatricals. They, they were not the they were not the full producer, but they were part of the They came in and sprinkled team. a little dust on you. <laughs> exactly. What does that mean? They gave you a harness? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I had to wear when I wasn't at the theater. I was being tracked. <laughs> right. They just yeah. flew you around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> full full makeup yeah. zooming through the streets. Not not unlike yeah. a Macy's balloon, but on a smaller scale. Thank you for yeah. saying smaller scale. <laughs> well, I don't. I knew I was walking into something there, and I didn't mean for that to happen. But sometimes one's mouth gets ahead of their brains, doesn't it? <laughs> but, um, but what did they do? That was based on a Peter Pan. Yes, it was a prequel story to Peter Pan. It was prequel. basically how Peter Pan became Peter Pan. Oh, good. Yeah. We need more prequels. We do. Yeah. I find. How does everything become what it is? <laughs> Fill in all the more. blanks. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to imagine anything. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Heaven forbid I start by investing something in a story. Yeah. But that's terrific. But you were also in Cinderella. That wasn't a Disney thing? That was not That was not Disney. That was, that oh. was Rogers and Hammerstein. That oh, yeah, Bibbidi sure. Boop. That was, you know. Bibbidi-bobbidi-boop. <laughs> that yeah. was the other Cinderella. I like that one, though. I do too. Yeah, I grew up on that. I like the bibbidi bobbidi boop. Bird singing from for Christ's sake. Yeah. I'm going to share something with you I've never shared with anyone before, Greg. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Something that um, uh, uh, I discovered in high school. Um, I love a Disney cover. I didn't mean for that pause to be quite so so yeah. so long, but I like it when they when they uh, have a, they had the cassettes and things, the tapes, the CDs, whatever you have, and the stars come out, and uh, you know you'll have a celebrity singing. I mean, a celebrity, an actual singer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm the king of the swingers or something. I like that stuff. Yeah, I definitely had one of those. I think in the car. Right. Yeah. yeah it was fun. Yeah. Sometimes you'd be at a high school dance or something, and Aladdin would come on. Right. Well, that was my song. I loved it. Right. Was Aladdin a big one for you? What Aladdin. was the one that really latched on to it? Gosh, yeah. Aladdin was a big one. I always loved The Jungle Book, too. That is The like, Jungle that, Book. That still remains to be my top, my favorite. I had the album as a kid. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I like the blue. I like yeah. the bear. Yeah. I don't need the live action. I like that I like that one. I did watch the live action, though. It's not horrible. Did it's not horrible. It? No. Yeah. Elephants kind of have a diminished role. Totally. I mean, I want that marching song. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you, other kids they like anime, didn't they? They like anime. They like Akira. Yeah. 
Yeah. Got into that. Nerds, I'm talking about. I never But then did. the rest of us, we really, there was something about the Disney that totally. just latched onto us. Yeah, yeah. And, and it spoke to us. They had some classic rhythms, I think, to them that appealed to those of us that were invested in that kind of a thing. Totally. That's what I always dreamed of doing is the voices for one of those. A Disney cartoon. I don't think it's too late. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I've got Johnson's Floor Wax, oh, so okay. I've been doing those. That's, yeah. But uh, still, dreams uh, die, and that's what you have to do. I'll make some um, calls. What did you do as a, a young person? Did, or what did you want to be as a young person? <coughs> Gosh. After you're singing with birds and dressing up, yeah. you had a, a kind of a destiny for the theater? I think so. There were there was also there was also part of me that wanted to be a clown and wanted to join the circus. Really? Yeah. Any clowning in the family? Not uh, professionally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the dinner table, yeah. my mom is a very funny person. Yeah. Um, and my dad is very very dry and sarcastic, which I also think is quite funny. Yeah. It's good. Um, they're a great duo. You know, really great comic duo. We're gonna come back to that idea. Okay. Okay. Um, and then there was we were raised. Um, Roman Catholic, and I was an altar boy. Oh, sure. Um, and and I there was there was a time where I wanted to be a priest. My mom yeah. was very very excited about that. Um, but I think you know, like it all comes back to like I think just where I, how I got to where I am today. Like I didn't actually want to like go to a seminary instead like a school. Like Sunday Mass was like a show, and the priest was the star, and he got a great costume. Exactly. He had everyone's undivided attention for Captivated audience. Gets to drink a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, my family is a Presbyterian minister, which is a little bit less on the theatrics, but still, it's a it's a uh, a scene. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's a, it's a performance. Right. And I find the things that I like lock into now, like even, uh, you know, when I'm working, is like this like ritualistic theme that kind of goes throughout like that, that has nothing to do with like doing the show yeah. but like the things that you have to do before the show like what you eat and where you you know where you put your brush on the table you know like the kind of like right. ritual of mass is like translated into like the ritual of the theater as you're sitting there in your dressing room with all the lights around the mirror yeah. and you have your uh, uh, pancake makeup there and yeah. your certain brush that you use absolutely yeah. you button the shirt a certain way that's right beyond superstition it's really a ritual of how you prepare and get into that character yeah yeah i absolutely and i think the other thing that i've learned and it's kind of retroactively is the how one uses one's voice uh -huh. So important when you're uh, preaching or you're within the church. And, I mean, that's what you have beyond the physical kind of stuff. And you know when somebody's really nailing it up there, if you go to another service or something or you see a different uh, priest or minister. Sure. The ones who really sell it are the ones who are able to bring beyond what the content is, yes. <laughs> even, yeah. just the quality of their voice. Yeah. Ah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I love the rituals, and of course with podcasting there's so many great rituals, and I do too, yeah. and carry things in a certain case and hook things up a certain way. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's a really appealing part of it. Totally. It do feels you... to my OCD as well, you know, like where you yes. like everything need or, you know. An orderly mind, yes, yes, allows the chaos to happen. That's right. It's my effed up way of having control. <laughs> we have to assert it, however we can. Don't it's we? true. It's true these days. It's true. And um, and what did the uh, when did you get to New York? I moved to New York almost eleven years ago. Eleven years ago. So you're yeah. fully in it now. You can't back out. It's true. Uh, what what moment? 
what was the uh, moment for you where the experience of thinking what it would be like to be here matched the reality of being here? Interesting question. Um, it's possible that I'm still waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's like, valid. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think it's. I think it's like in in many ways like exceeded my expectations and also like it's it's unlike anything i could have you know imagined it would be especially like in in all sorts of ways like when i was moving here working 40 hours a week at a day job and then like going to rehearse a play in a basement at night like i didn't ever picture that you know like yeah. where i was like oh this is i guess where where how we do this and then like fr from from like the very early days to like to like the like to the to the very great times i've had with great jobs you know it's it's all been super surprising and uh, to be clear, I mean, you are a working actor. Mm -hmm. You do the shows, uh, Broadway shows, uh, all manner of things, which yep. we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, did you go to school for that? I did. Yes. I studied, um, I, I went to Boston University. I went to the conservatory at BU. Wonderful. And yeah. I assume it's a good program. I'm saying wonderful. I don't know anything it, about it. It was wonderful. I really, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. I really needed it. Um, and then also uh, within the school at BU there is a an exchange program where the second semester of our junior year the entire class goes and studies at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts so I hey, went and studied there too. not bad yeah yeah it was great like the classics and I had you know in high school like really all I knew was musicals I was very very obsessed with musicals and then you know when it came time to uh apply to colleges and who has any idea what they're doing when they're 18 years old especially like doing something like that no one in my family knew anything about either like there were, I had no help and I didn't know what the hell I was doing like right. if I could do it all over again I'd probably do it completely differently but I'm really happy with the way that it turned out I auditioned and applied to a bunch of musical theater programs and BU was the only one that had no musical theater program and uh -huh. they sold me they were like if you come here we will teach you how to be an actor. They were like, anyone can sing. Zero Mustel, Rex Harrison, you know, are Rex people Harrison. who can't carry a tune, <laughs> right. but they yes. can pull off a song because they're they're very gifted actors. So they're like, if you come here, we'll teach you how to be an actor. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm sold. They also had people that wrote musicals like around them. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. there's that. But right. yes, I find that fascinating because I was quite driven as a young person, I knew, as I said, I was setting out to do this uh, voiceover thing and perform in, in, with cartoons. That yeah. was really something that in, intrigued me. Mm -hmm. And then whoop, went off to the side and did all manner of different things. Yeah. But with the same intention, similar to what you're saying, I was thinking, well, I'd draw the things I could get into drawing. Yeah. But guess what? I know how to draw. So why not challenge yourself when you're in that environment right. and paying that much money to do something? Tell me about it. Yes. Yes. So that's intriguing to me. Yeah. And you came out of it uh, stronger for it. Totally. I yeah. feel like my horizons are like so, so broadened by the training that I had that I'm not, that I, I don't just do this like one facet. Right. That like while I was there, the kind of, the, the way the program is designed is like, they're like, we, we, 
we promise that you'll graduate with a toolbox. And while you're here, we're going to hand you a bunch of tools and you get to pick whichever ones you want to put in your toolbox that are useful to you, where you want to go and what you want to do. Oh my gosh. So, you know, we studied all array of Stanislavski and Adler and then we did Chekhov and, and we did, there was a lot of Shakespeare my junior year. And, you know, like there was just like, it was like a hodgepodge of like a buffet of, of training. And they were like, just take and hold on to like whatever's useful for you and where you're going. And I feel like that stuff, you know, d really informs what I do when I'm working on a musical. Or, you know, this past summer I did a Shakespeare play. I hadn't done a Shakespeare play in like seven years. I got yeah. cast in this thing, and I was like, oh, shit, I hope I still remember how to do this. <laughs> right. So I did an awful lot of it when I first moved here. I did a lot of Shakespeare, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be the Shakespeare guy. And then somebody found out that I could sing, and they were like, no, 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 no. you're going to be the musical theater guy. <laughs> okay, great. I can do that, too. <laughs> Well, if the uh, BU alumni program doesn't lift that uh, for their uh, admissions <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. uh, video, then they're missing out because that's a terrific endorsement of that uh, program and that path that uh, uh, that you took. And uh, so you, you got here 11 years ago based mm -hmm. on that good thing. You started doing with the Shakespeare and whatnot. Quickly uh, get through the uh, the community is small, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Ultimately, yeah, true. A lot yeah. of people here, but it's small. Yeah. So you find your way, and you've played so many great parts, uh, from Orson Welles, who I loved as a kid, uh -huh. uh, to the security guard for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That's a big deal. And uh, Grimace from the McDonald's Food Family. Yes. You have a song about. Yeah, that this is some kind deep of, cuts. Yes, yeah. I did my research. <laughs> I love the, you have, a, it was a song about Grimace. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, for certain people, it just captures their imagination, doesn't it? Totally. Uh, this mystery item. Yeah. Uh, that, because all the other food products in the McDonald's foodiverse are uh, clearly identified. Yeah. Everyone uh, knows what a Hamburglar is. We've seen so many of those, you know. Is a robber of hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, he burgles ham. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And the, the fry guys are... Fry guys. Fries, yeah. and uh, et cetera, uh, Mayor McCheese. I had a whole series of plates that uh -huh. had all the characters totally. with the pirates. And, yeah. Yes, wonderful. But Grimace was always a mystery. Yeah. But always lovable. Yes. But sad? Sad. E yeah. Kind of an Eeyore type. Kind of an Eeyore. You know, he was like lumbering around. You know. Milkshake, right? Totally. Had to be. He was a milkshake, you think? I think it was supposed to be with the milkshakes. Interesting. What else could it be? Yeah. I mean, these There's are the no other shake. It's on it. <laughs> but you have a great song. That, did you write the song? I did not write the song. My very smart and funny friends, um, Eli Bull and Sam Foreman, wrote that song. Um, that and it's called What is Grimace? It's called Grimace's Lament. Grimace's Lament. Better than what I came up with. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and it's, uh, you people can search it and watch it. There's a nice video of it. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about something that maybe not that many people have seen, but uh, I was uh, captured by it. <laughs> Uh, because I was always intrigued by the oddball yeah. uh, there. And, boy, you, when you get a chance to play Grimace and sing his interior thoughts, you don't turn it down. Yeah, you take it. And uh, then, of course, you were the role that put you on the map, uh, that of, uh, is it Red Eagle? Yep. And university president. <laughs> yeah. In Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. That's true. Which was a, a show. People think uh, Hamilton was kind of the presidential musical that really took hold, but right. uh, in fact, before that was bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. That was the real bit, and it ushered in, in its way, a whole new generation of theatrical talent, didn't it? I think so. That show was very, was very yeah. helpful for a lot of us. You know, yeah. Um, you have kind of a Broadway cast of Rent. 
Totally. Uh, and then you and then you have bloody bloody Andrew Jackson. Yeah, it's true. And we were like such oddballs. We were all from like just Alex Timbers put together this group of just absolute nutcases from all over. And, and he's was, a director. Yes, Alex and that was, was really his big thing. Yes, he also wrote him. it. He wrote the book. Oh, with, I didn't and realize. Michael that. Friedman wrote the music. I mean, that was a good show. It was a great show. Yeah, that was. I mean, I that was, that was one of the best times I've ever had in the theater ever. Um, that group of people was so silly. Like I would just be like, my rib cage would hurt at the end of the day just from like <laughs> the stuff that we would come up with. And Alex is so kind of irreverent in in terms of his approach too. That like. You know, there were there were moments where he would turn it over to the room and be like, "What's funny here? What would be funny here?" And like, when you have a group of like the funniest people you've ever known, like you come up with some really good stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that was a great great time, and we did it for. I mean, I did it on and off for like, gosh, like three years. I did a I did it in Los Angeles. We went to the the Kirk Douglas. I met Kirk Douglas. Oh, um, there. <laughs> His theater, he comes to these shows. I didn't realize that. Yes. It's kind of in the Sony lot or something, isn't it? It's in Culver yeah, City. Yeah, Culver City, that's yeah. right. And, um, you know, uh, the, our uh, my dresser was like, you know, he, he does like to come back after opening. And I was like, oh, sure, 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 that's great. And a couple of us in the room, and so we were just getting changed, and suddenly there was a knock at the door, and I was like, oh, just a sec. And the uh, door just opens. Spartacus is standing there in the doorway. <laughs> I'm in my underwear, and I was like, I was like, just a second, sir. I'm sorry, let me put some clothes on. He, goes, he said, I don't care. Walked over and embraced me in my underwear. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, that's a special memory. Isn't <laughs> totally. It? Yeah, yeah. He was, he's he's amazing. I've always wow. Well, I'm so, impressed so that he takes that much care with the the theater and that much interest in yeah something that has his hugely name on supportive. It. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So you and that's typically what happens with one of these shows is you workshop it. Yes. You mentioned Williamstown is another place where things go and yes. kind of have a test out. Yes. But uh, L.A. and then mm-hmm. uh, and that then came to. We did we did a one run uh, a limited run at uh, the Shiva at the Public, yeah. very tiny space, and we did it for like a month there, and then we got picked up months later I can't remember the timeline it was a while later for another run at the Newman at the public and that one we kept extending and extending and extending we did that for like six months that's when it's like really catching fire yes yeah yeah yeah. and those nights were really really fun I remember on Saturday nights we'd do we'd do or Saturdays we'd do a 5.30 matinee and a 9.30 show and I loved that 9.30 show yeah it's like a party it was so fun (laughs) Um, and then we moved to Broadway where we lasted for three months because the people that we wanted to come see the show couldn't afford those tickets oh that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. They're really expensive. They are. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're getting more and more expensive. And more and more expensive. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I went to see Cats. It was a hefty, hefty sum yeah. for a bunch of Cats. Yeah. And yeah. I love Cats. Yeah, me too. The musical, yeah. not the animal as oh. much, but I know that you're an animal. You like the animal. I like the animals. Yeah. They're okay. I like them from a distance, but like you, I'm allergic. Uh, yeah. I have an allergy, so I can't, can't, I can't engage with them that much. Right, right. So that was the first Broadway production. That was the very Three months. Kind of sad to have it end so quickly. It was tough. And let me tell you, I got way, way depressed after that. Like, I was like, my whole life, all I've ever wanted to do was be in a Broadway show. Yeah. And I've just done it. And now, what do we do? What do we want to do? Right. And the idea of doing multiple Broadway shows was not something that was in the realm of possibility in my brain. But I was like, well, we did it. Right. <laughs> and uh, I remember 
the person I was dating at the time, like the day after we closed, she was like, I have tickets to the matinee of the magic flute at the Met. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like under the covers. And I was like, no. And she's like, no come way. on, you'll like it, make you feel better. And I was like, okay, okay. I got dressed and went. And I remember just like slouching in my chair like a teenager, like just being like, I hate this. I hate the magic flute. You know, it was just, it was a tough time after that. Yeah. Well, when you're hating on the magic flute, that's... <laughs> right. Those beautiful Julie Taymor puppets, what's yeah. not to like? What's not to like? <laughs> Little boon raku. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is a tough place to be, isn't it? Yeah. You think that that's over. Yeah. Well, you're like, well, What now... was your next step after you pulled yourself out of your magic flute depression? Oh, God. I don't know what I did. I... I... What did I do? How did I do that? I can't remember. <laughs> it's the first I've step. It's always it out. tough. Yeah, yeah. But well, I think I just what I find kind of with like... depression is like you, you get in there and it's just it's easier to stay in it certainly than to totally. take a step out. Yeah. But once you do, then stuff happens. Yeah. 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 I felt that way about certain birthdays that I've had. Oh gosh. But now I don't care. But the 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 whole thing was it it sparked a little sad time. Yeah. But you did get working again, I probably did. is what happened. I did. And uh, I don't know what the next show was, but... The next show after that was, um, I, I started working that, I guess it was that, oh, you know what it was. I went um, I went out of town again with Peter and the Starcatcher. I went okay. to the La Jolla Playhouse. I went to San Diego, back to California to do another show out of town that was hoping and to come in. Disney Magic helped yeah. you with that one again. Yeah. Those little singing birds came by that's, and lifted you that's up. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. And that's, uh, well, that's terrific that you were able to get. Was there anything by being a Broadway actor that uh, you could, you didn't have access to before? Is there any special thing of be, being on there? Can you ask for more money? Do you get access to certain clubs? <laughs> um, no, the perks are not not as glamorous as you would maybe assume. Um, uh, Have you asked about the secret clubs? I haven't asked about the secret clubs. You know, there. This is gonna. I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but they they're. I can't remember what show it was. Maybe it was during Peter and the Starcatcher. We all got invited to go to the Lambs Club, which like used to be like the hang, you oh, know, yeah. back in the day. And they'd give us like discounted drinks, but a discounted drink at the Lambs Club is like still fifteen dollars. <laughs> you know, we're right. like, thanks a lot. Um, and I think we went one night and we never went back. That's, That's okay. like the only kind That's of. Okay. I don't know. I'm not that fancy. You know, there are, there are some fancy people out there, and I don't know if I'm actually one of the... All right, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've achieved something else that I've longed for, and that's stable work as a great character actor. Mm. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, that's yeah. very nice. Um, I always thought that would be the best. Yeah. Is it the best? Yeah. Yeah. They're the best parts. Here's a two-part question, Greg. Yeah. Coming up for you, and I don't want it to come off the wrong way like that Macy's thing. But do you okay. feel like, uh, as a, do you feel like you have a type as an actor? And then at what point um, did you uh, kind of own that type? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've totally. I think I'm definitely a very specific um, type, very specific physical type. It's funny. I was doing a play once up at Williamstown with Richard Kind and I was it was very very young and he like kind of took a shine and he um came up to me towards the end of the run and he said he called me Greggy he goes Greggy if you ever lose any weight you'll never work <laughs> and I said Richard you too <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but but I mean, when I when I was when I did, you know, I've always struggled with type. I when I graduated from school, I stayed in Boston for a year because I was broke and I couldn't move anywhere. And you know, I was I was a I was a twenty one year old character guy, a young a young character guy. In this town that w- it like uses maybe the same three or four or five people in all of the plays. Yeah. You know, and, and to break in as, as someone, you know, like w- what I'm grateful for is that I feel like I'll only kind of grow into my type. But at the time, being kind of like a husky 21-year-old they, who's kind of like weird, like <laughs> they had no idea what to do with me. And I was right. like, this is going to be a lot harder than I thought. And then um, I moved to New York and um, started working with this uh, agent here. And he was sending me out for all of these roles that were like the kind of goofy, drunk, dumb best friend role. <laughs> where I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Totally, totally, totally. This is, um, this is uh, not exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> but, but it right. is kind of like it does fit my physical type. And I still kind of come across that too. Yeah. And what ends up happening is the role ends up going to somebody who's like actually dopey and drunk. And like, unfortunately, I am what I think is like kind of a smart person in this dumb looking form. I don't think that's dumb looking. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I won't beat myself up. I won't beat myself up. I'm not fishing either. You're not that big. But I I mean, that's the other thing. You're not you're not like a huge dude. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we're. Thanks. Thank please, you. Yeah, you're very fit. Thank you. Yeah. I'm exaggerating for storytelling. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, for and, the, and for, for the how character it feels. aspect of it. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. For letting me. Just want to be clear. Good God. Um, I don't have to go to therapy later now. This is great. <laughs> um, but then, but then, like as as I've gotten older and aging into the type, you know, I've I, I'm now working with this agent who I really love and I remember the very first meeting we had he said to me he was like you are a very specific type and my job is to submit you for things that you wouldn't normally be considered for and I was like I am in love with you yeah like you get it where it's like I actually don't want to do the kind of dopey I don't want to do that all the time the right you know but I do love a sidekick I do love like a snarky kind of know-it-all who's actually bumbling and really doesn't know what he's doing you know like i like those kind of more complex roles or 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 you know especially in like new works things that come up in new works all the time where i'm like oh that's an interesting type that we've never seen before that is like a mixture of many different things and not just this one kind of like archetypal thing that i was like bumping up against you so the more i kind of work the more i feel like i refine my own type yes if that makes sense. It makes total sense. And uh, just connecting it to you coming out of school with this uh, plan that you can do anything yeah. and this real solid training mm-hmm. and bringing all of that to the what happens with the industry thing is a kind of surface. You can only be this, 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 or that, or right. I have to fill the thing that looks like it's this. It's easier for them it's to do that. It's easier for them. Makes their but job easier to be like, oh, he's just this. If you bring that, uh, even if you get in that way, if you bring that well of experience and that depth to it, you're going to inform that in a, a new way. No matter what that thing looks like, mm-hmm. or what that character is supposed to be, mm-hmm. uh, you can really inform that. And that is truer to yourself, which, of course, is what everybody wants you to be anyway. Right. Uh, so uh, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And I, uh, you talk about sidekicks. And you were, did you, were you just doing La Mancha? I did La Mancha uh, two, two summers ago. Two summers the, ago. Uh, the Pittsburgh Cielo. 
Okay, and that's a kind of classic sidekick yeah. role. The best. The best. Yeah. And you mentioned that your parents were kind of a comedic duo. Totally. So do you draw on that at all? Uh, from uh, their kind of back and forth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always, you know, that's it's like a, my parents are really like fascinating. My dad is very calm and kind of stoic, uh, still, and my mom is like, you know, running circles around him, kind of. So they have their own comedy dynamic. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Little yeah. Uh, Martin and Lewis, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what the the sidekick character is so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you need the Shapoopy guy, Marcellus. To make the music man more lovable. Totally. I mean, they lend the heart. They open it up yeah. to say, well, this guy can have a, rela- or this person can have a relationship with that guy. He and it's more, it, yeah. Yeah. And then it's more interesting. Yeah. Than just a con man. Right. You know, it's like uh, Trump and Bannon. <laughs> That's a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> Adorable, lovable <laughs> duo. Pesky. Uh, sorry to take it there. No, that's but, right. uh, you know, Abbott without Costello. Right. Right? It's true. He's not that lovable without without the other guy. You need the two kinds of heat. You need the two kinds of heat. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a more equal relationship than I think sidekick implies. It's It's really, you need that other person to be there. Yeah. Um, I was recently watching the Laurel and Hardy Babes in Toyland. Do you ever see that? Yes, gosh, years ago when I was a kid. Oh, it's strange. Very. It like, is profoundly trippy. strange. Yeah. Pig masks and yes. all kind because of, it's in like a fairy tale world. Yes. Very, very weird. But those guys made it work. Yeah. They're the reason to watch, along yeah. with all this other strange stuff that's right. happening. I grew up watching that. Do you remember that Alice in Wonderland made-for-TV movie that was like a miniseries? It was like six. It felt like it was six hours long. I feel like it, but it had it had like Sammy Davis Jr. was the caterpillar, and like Carol Channing was oh, the, yes. was the White Queen. Like it just had all of these like yeah. s- drunken stalwarts of the <laughs> stage <laughs> that they like brought out and put crazy makeup on. I I feel like that informs like a lot of who I am and what I do. We had it on VHS, and I used to watch it. A like, kind of boozy fairy tale oh, with a little Vegas razzle-dazzle. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> in just bizarre makeup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They give them some uppers, and then they're like, all right, let's roll it. <laughs> let's see where this goes. <laughs> yeah. Let's see where the simple tale of Alice in Wonderland yeah. takes us. I have it on DVD at home. I own it still. I was thinking, you know, probably roughly similar ages, but... I love watching all those Abbott and Costello things. They'd be on every weekend. Oh, yeah. And I'd watch them. Yeah. The Stooges. I grew up watching the Stooges. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sunday morning. I never admit to that, but I watched them all. Yeah. Every single one of those things I watched all through every year and change and all. You know what I was thinking? We could do an Abbott and Costello musical. You and me? Clearing my schedule. <laughs> I would be love the that. toast of the town, <laughs> and then it could be like one of the monster shows where we have a you know Abbott and Costello meet the mummy or something. But each each uh, night or every week we have a different guest star, right? And Patty Lapone is yeah. the mummy, Melissa so Etheridge, like, <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> oh, that show would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you ever meet Patty Lapone? I did meet Patty Lapone very yeah. recently. She seems nice. She was very lovely, yeah. yeah. She came and saw the Robert Bridegroom, which was a play that she did right out of Juilliard. Another uh, one that you were just doing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, yeah. And last time we were together, you had a nice redhead lady with you. Where were we? 
uh, we had oh, a little it was benefit. my friend Kristen Connolly, yeah. Yeah, and she, she gave me a hug and all that, and I thought, well, this is nice. And uh, and then she's talking, and I'm thinking, well, she looks familiar to me, and you were talking about some show she was on, so I thought, well, what was her name? I go home, and then she's the gal from House of Cards. Yes. Yeah, she's yeah. like the girlfriend to the, to the Russo guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at that. I couldn't place her. Yeah. Well, it's her hair's different. Her hair is constantly changing. <laughs> She's one of my best friends. Um, she she loves to go to the salon. She loves to go to the salon. Well, that's why we when all. you were like a redhead, I was like, who the hell do I know this redhead? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was thinking of her as blonde. It must be great though to have some real talented people that are out there doing things. Like now it's to the point where I've had a lot of people in here and then they're, I, they pop up on the TV and all that. And you think, oh, there they are. I know a little bit about them. Yeah, I yeah. spent an hour with them. Yeah. It's really fun, isn't it? Yeah. It's one, I mean, other than the costume thing uh, and the clothing, free clothes, uh, it's kind of nice. It's another perk. It is another perk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I love seeing people succeed. Yeah. And see people get acknowledged for their great talents. Mm-hmm. And you're certainly doing that. Thank you. And you've been doing a podcast thing too. I did. <clears throat> I did. Yeah, I worked um, in the fall. Uh, my friend Alan Schmuckler and uh, uh, Dave Holstein, these two very smart, funny uh, writers, wrote this musical parody of the Serial Podcast. Aha! Uh-huh, yeah, and it's kind of like a modern day, like Sweeney Todd about the sensationalism of news and how we absorb that without emotion (laughs) you know like perfect for a musical right like kind of forgetting that this is actually something that actually happened and you know where right where it becomes like a soap kind of where you're like oh this is really good and you're like no no no, these were real people right um she was drunk or whatever in the parking lot yeah it's called wait wait don't kill me and it's on um (laughs) it's on uh wondery 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 yeah yeah Oh, I gotta, I gotta do a dive into it. Yeah, it's and great. check it out. It's still it's in available. Six episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. The music is wonderful. You play Holstein's one of the, right. you play a, a part in that. I play a bunch of different parts. I mainly play um, Sarah Koenig's boyfriend, who has a speech <laughs> impediment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the news coverage of that uh, particular podcast because you know that's the only podcast that ever existed. Right. That's right. Just the one. <laughs> it's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good for them. That's the mystery we should solve. All Happy these, uh... seeing people succeed. <laughs> well, we can't talk about what's coming next. Right. But I know. Okay. And you know. Yeah. But we can't say anything about it, but here's what I want to ask. Yeah. How does it feel to have landed this, let's say it's a big gig. We don't know what it's going to be, but let's say. Right. And and what is it like to prepare for something that is going to be time-consuming and you're going to be really looking at it as a marathon. When you do these things, they're what, seven performances a week? Eight. Eight a week. Yeah. A couple of matinees here and there on the weekends. Yep. What is the mental preparation that you have to do to think about doing that? Um, well, let me, let me start by saying, like, this is, this is like the best kind of time off where you know, you know, like so, so often as actors, we finish a job and we're like, well, that was great. That was it. That's the last one we're ever going to do. You know, like, the gig, the jig is up, and uh, we've been found out. They've found out we're frauds, and we can't. So this is, like, the best kind of, like, it feels like a vacation right now, which is nice. Where something great is on the horizon where you're like, this is great. And there are certain things that I need to do physically to start preparing for this. Like, I have been, uh, you know, 
I've been taking relaxing to the next level. <laughs> um, so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things physically that I have to do. But then to to prepare mentally for something like this. Um, such a good question. I feel like, you know, I'm no good at being unemployed. So, like, thinking about doing eight shows a week and rehearsing this thing for months is a joy to me. Yeah. You know, like, and I, I don't want that to sound like a fluffy kind of answer to that, but it's really true. Like, I dread these days of, like, structureless time where I wake up and I'm like, well, today I'm doing a podcast and I've got a commercial. I just, this is also a joy. This is giving structure to my yeah, day. Yeah, this is no, a more structured day than I've had in a long time. Right. You know, so, like, so in most mostly the thing that I'm feeling is, like, jazzed to be, like, working again full-time, full throttle, eight shows a week, that's when I feel like I am, you know, I am, like, at my peak. Yeah. Because I'm no good at this other thing. Do you have to kind of keep a valve on the adrenaline thinking about it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know this thing is coming up, and it's like you – I would think you get a little dose. Totally. Totally. <laughs> of, uh, of excitement. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to kind of temper that through the, your long day of, oh, maybe I'll get a coffee. Right. Or a second one. <laughs> totally. Well, and th yeah, exactly. Well, and then part of it, too, is like, I think for that very reason, uh, uh, it really hasn't sunk in entirely that it's actually happening. Right. And, and I'm like, no, my life not. is this, like hanging out with my cats and watching Netflix. Like, this is <laughs> what we're doing forever. Right. right. And then it won't be. Right. Yeah. Ask me Ask me in a couple months. Okay, we'll about check my in. mental prep, and I'll be like, <laughs> I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> we'll, we'll check in again. At that point. But when you do do one of those shows, uh, you fall into the rhythm of it, and that becomes a thing, and your days are spent resting or uh, rehearsing. And totally. They're, fixing. It, yeah. There really is um, your whole life becomes about doing that thing or doing the thing that you have to do at 8 o'clock. You know, yeah. your whole day becomes about that. So I'm going to sleep until about 11. I'm going to have <laughs> breakfast at about 11.30. Then we're going to have lunch at 4. And then we're going to go do the show because I can't have anything to eat before the show because I'll feel like I'm going to puke. And I then, know, like, me too. Then I'll have, you know, something horrible to eat at <laughs> 11 o'clock when the show is done. You know, it's it really, it's like, it, it adjusts your whole schedule. But you know, I was never in better shape than I was doing a show like yeah. that because, uh, one, I had no money. I think I was paid $300 a month. Yeah. And uh, I made uh, mozzarella, basil, and tomato sandwiches for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, exclusively, just yeah. about. Because I found you could stretch that with a loaf of bread. Yeah. And uh, just the physical action of performing and being on stage and doing that kind of stuff, I was down to a, a, nice, uh, a nice figure. A tight 110. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would take a uh, some kind of stapling Same. and some kind of banding <laughs> to get down there. But uh, it. Uh, my point is that uh, I really physically changed by doing that show. Yeah. And um, I mean, you have to be. You have to be toned and ready mentally, physically, and all that to yeah. go into it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you're fortunate that you don't have to have some other thing in here now, right? You don't have another gig where you're no it's you know, just kind of you know yeah doing some freelancing for a couple of months that's wonderful yeah well it's all very exciting and uh whatever it is i know it's going to be 
terrific. Thank and you. that you will be prepared when the time comes uh, to do it. And uh, this uh, this has been terrific, Greg. Yeah. I, I remain a great fan of yours. It's mutual. And I can't wait to see what's happening. I want to work with you desperately, and I think that musical, you know, if anything else shouldn't pan out, shouldn't work, yeah. if all that mental preparation goes for naught, yeah. give our, me a call. Our avid and, uh, musical. Yeah, it'd be nice for we'll that to happen average. before death comes to my door. <laughs> so uh, this is great. Anything, and so we can't say where you're going to be next, but look for you out there yeah. on the stage. You got any more of these shows you're doing at 54 Below or any of these musical reviews? I might do another one of those in the fall, actually. I was just talking to them the other day. That's but great. Nothing has been set yet. I, I really am. I love it. I just I love you. I love uh, talking to you. you so this too. has been terrific, Greg. Thank you. Uh, thank you. We'll keep our ears and eyes out for you. Thanks. All right. Take care. You too. Who wants to hear me sing? I'm just some ugly thing. No, no one gives a damn. And no one knows just what I am. Am I a purple grape? Or just some abstract shape I'm not exactly cute Am I a person in a suit? Okay, I mean, I wish I could tell you what Greg is up to. It's such fun, but you're going to hear about it, and you'll hear more about him, I'm sure. He's just a delight. I love talking to him. If you're in New York, go see him. Go find him. But if you're in New York, come see me. My goodness, we're going to do a live show, Deep Night Live, on February 22nd. That's a Wednesday at 8 p.m. at the world-famous Slipper Room on the Lower East Side. Creep on down. Ticket information is up on DellRadio.com or over on the Slipper Room website. That's a nice place to go check out. Go see it. They're nice. they got burlesque shows, but mostly focus on this one. Don't get distracted by what else is going on there on the calendar. Go, buy your tickets and go back. And, and do your browsing then, you understand. Tickets reasonably priced, uh, $10 and $12. Although if you want different chairs, you can p- pay $25. But listen, go for the reasonable first. The important thing is that you buy tickets uh, at whatever level is appropriate uh, for you. We're going to have a great time of it with uh, the wonderful comedian Michelle Buteau, uh, writer uh, Daniel Kibblesmith, mind reader Vinnie DePonto, and a special conjuring with Sandy Honig. Music is going to be provided by our wonderful theremin player, Cornelius Loy. So I hope that you will join us on February 22nd at the Slipper Room. Till then, remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is written and performed by James Bewley with production assistance from Harvest Works in New York City. Music throughout each episode is provided by the amazing talents on the artistic roster of Howler Hills Farm in the great state of Ohio. Deep Night theme by Zach Gabbard, season 9 podcast icon and logo designed by Samantha Mash. Download episodes directly through daleradio.com or subscribe and review the show on iTunes. Also available on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Follow Dale on Twitter at Dale Radio or Instagram at Dale Seaver for behind-the-scenes peeks into the production of the show and the life of Dale Seaver. Thank you to all the subscribers and supporters of this program, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs>